So in my first two months, I went from negative in the red to almost $15,000. Then all I did, man, was a snowball effect. Um, and I was just grinding, man, sun up to sundown um, to the point where I was able to make over six figures. I made over hundred grand in my first six months. Perfect. What's going on, everybody? Jamel Gibbs here. Welcome to another podcast episode. Today we have yet another special guest. And this special guest has been investing in real estate for the last six years. And over the last six years, he's done about 500 deals. So for those of you who are uh, just getting started, think about yourself six years from now. Where do you want to be uh, in your real estate investing business? Usually it takes about three to five years to be able to have the ability to retire from real estate if you do it the right way. And uh, I can say if you've bought 500 houses within a five or six year time frame, you're doing pretty well in real estate. Let's welcome Ray Mabry to the call. What's going on, my man? Yo, yo, yo. What's going on, Jamel? How you doing, man? Doing great, man. Doing great. I'm looking forward to uh, what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we're going to drop some gems, and, and, and I know that you're definitely good for them, man. So why don't you go ahead and tell them a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got started in the business? Okay, no problem. So as Jamel said, my name is Ray Mabry, and I have been in the business for six years. Um, I just celebrated my six-year six anniversary as a real estate investor this past April. Um, and when I got started, you know, I was just like most of you that may be listening you know, just trying to find a way, struggling in life, you know, not happy in life, just trying to find a way to make the extra income. And so, you know, found out about wholesaling, went, went online, make money from home, real estate, you know, and that type of stuff. And just found out about this thing called wholesaling, which was basically just assigning contracts um, to cash buyers. And, you know, it's, it's been a blessing. It's been a blessing for me and my family. And, you know, I enjoy it. You know, I met Jamel through the real estate um, niche and, you know, real estate is hot. You know, even though we're going through um, this this virus and stuff uh, nationally, you know, it's still, it's not going anywhere. And now is a great time to get involved. I mean, obviously back in 07, 08 with, with the um, crash, it affected real estate tremendously. And that, you know, we may feel some kind of ripple effect this time around too, um, in the next few months. But that's the time to get started, like now, because what you want to do is there're going to be opportunities, there're going to be situations, you know, people needing help, needing assistance. Uh, unemployment is at an all-time high, and so people are looking for solutions and stuff. And so, you know, we could be the answer. We as real estate investors could be the answer. And so, um, I'm excited. I'm excited about you know, where this business has brought us so far and where it's going to take us moving forward. Excellent, man. So I know you've been around for about six years. What were you doing before that six-year time frame? Everything. I mean, I, anything involves sales, um, I did it. You know, I, I'm a salesman by um, nature. And so I've sold everything from cell phones to cable. I was your cable guy. I was the one door knocking going house to house, used to um, work for a cable company, 
I've done life insurance. That was like the, the main thing I was doing um, prior to making the switch to um, real estate was I was a life insurance agent. And, you know, I, I, my market was the senior market. So I used to, you know, go to people's houses and, you know, try to sell some insurance, some, some burial insurance, which is really a tough sell, believe it or not, because you would think a person that's older in age would be like, yeah, you know, give me the max. But a lot of times they'd be like, I'm not leaving them nothing, you know. And so, you know, I had to try to educate them on the importance of, you know, having some barrier insurance and stuff. So I did that as well as I drove for a courier company. Um, so I, I actually had two jobs prior to getting started um, in real estate. And with the courier company, there were times where I would have to use my own car and I would get, I was more short, so a third shift driver, so I would drive all night long, and it was nothing for me to get an assignment like seven, eight o'clock in the evening to go to West Virginia, which was like a 10-hour drive, round-trip drive, where I actually had to go and deliver like some surgical equipment, you know, for a surgery the next morning. So I did that for almost two years mm. prior to getting in real estate. So yeah, it was... It, trust me when I tell you, it was a it was a great transition. It was something that was very very necessary um, because I stayed on the road all the time between the insurance and and driving for the courier company. Gotcha, gotcha, man. So you you decided to get into the real estate business, and uh, let's talk about your first six months in a business. Okay. So and actually, when I got started, um, I did like most of you. Once again, I, I got a list. And I did direct mail, hand wrote most of it because I didn't really have money. And I happened to get the right seller at the right time. And the reason I say that is because um, this particular guy, he owned a property. The property was right beside his residence. And it was um, left to him by his mother, older guy. And he was just kind of ready to, to get rid of it. But what, what stunned me was when he called, I called him. Um, no, he called me and I called him back and I had to leave my voicemail. But when he called me, he left me a voicemail. He's like, um, hey, I want to speak to Ray. My name is such and such. And I'm a motivated seller. And I mean, he actually called himself a motivated seller, which I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody else call themselves a motivated seller. So I'm thinking it's a prank. Like who calls themselves a motivated seller? But, you know, it, it took me about a day or two to make uh, contact with them. He told me a situation. I immediately drove across town. This property was actually in Durham, about three to five miles from Duke University. So it's in a great area, great location. And, you know, I, I got the contract signed on the spot. You know, once we talked, I pretty much gave him what he was asking for. And what I did was the month before I had went to my first uh, TRIA meeting, the real meeting, Real Estate Investment Association meeting. And when they have, at the beginning, they have like who has what, who has what as far as um, deals and stuff, or who needs something. I just got in front of the crowd and I let them know like, hey, my name is Ray, I'm real estate. Um, I call myself a wholesaler at the time. And I say, you know, I got deals. I got, you know, deals like, you know, marketing and all that stuff. I just kind of put myself out there. And I had about 20 to 30 people giving their business cards, right? And so I have buyers. And so as soon as I got that, that deal, um, it was, I called like, the first three people I called, two of them wanted to see it immediately. And the one guy came and he was like, I want it. And so, you know, we went back and forth. I think I gave myself maybe a $15,000 spread. And he was like, you know, would you take $5,000 for it right now? I said, well, 
if you write me a check for it right now, no title work has been done whatsoever. Now, remember, I had this, this contract like the day before. So you write me a check right now, it's yours. Uh, matter of fact, what I do is I let you meet the seller and you can just go directly to him. I didn't even really assign it per se. Um, and so he had his wife do like a little quick title search. I followed him to his house. Um, no, no, what happened was before I followed him to his house, he was already on property on site and the seller was there too. So I went ahead and let him and the seller go on the contract. Like I wouldn't advise doing this guy because I had to trust his buyer to, to honor his word because he could have had a contract directly with the seller and I would have been out. Mm -hmm. So don't do that. Always protect yourselves. But long and short of it, follow him to his house. He wrote me a check on the spot and that's my first 5000 So imagine going from like I was actually in the red the month before to having a $5,000 check. Like it was real. And so my wife came home from work and I showed it to her and she thought it was counterfeit and everything. And so you know, I had to convince her what it was. Um, and we cashed it. And then what I did was I took about 1500 of that and I put it right back into marketing. And the second month, I was able to find another deal. The seller, she lived out of state, her and her husband. And I actually had to drive to the DC area to meet with them to get the contract signed. Cause they wanted to kind of wait till they came back down. I said, no, I come to you. So I actually got on the road and drove over four hours to get the contract signed from these sellers. And I got that deal done the second month and that was for 9,500. So in my first two months, I went from negative in the red to almost $15,000. And then all I did, man, was a snowball effect. Um, and I was just grinding, man, sun up to sundown. Um, to the point where I was able to make over six figures. I made over a hundred grand in my first six months wholesaling, just grinding, man, going hard, sun up, sun down. Because remember now, I'm I'm coming out of coming out of brokenness. You know, I'm coming out of lack and, and debt and all that stuff. So man, that was my motivation. And, you know, I just kept going and going and going to the point now where, you know, I still go out and I still you know, go to properties and stuff at times, but that's by choice now. You know, before I had to go do it, but now I do it because I enjoy being out in the community. Now I ain't, I'm not going anywhere now because it's just virus. You know, we, you know, we're going to do everything via, you know, FedEx and UPS and stuff and on the phone. But um, all in all, man, you know, I, I, I mean, that's that's my story, man. So I was able to get my first deal done within 30 days of getting started, but that normally does not happen. All right. Normally doesn't happen, but as I said before, I found the right seller at the right time. Awesome, man. So, you know, you made a hundred grand in the first six months. How did you end up by the end of that year? The first um, 12 months. Okay. Profit wise, because this was in eight, this was in April when I got started. So profit wise, it was somewhere right around 120, give or take, you know, so from April to December, of 2014, yeah, made up about 120 grand. So that's about $40,000 per quarter, roughly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Excellent, man. Great way to get started. I wish I had that same story, but I didn't. <laughs> exactly, man, exactly. And two, um, because you know, of course, when the holidays come around, things kind of slow down. So I was trying to go even harder and harder, but it still slowed down. I could have made more, but you know, just because of the holidays and stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. Some deals carried over into the new year, but yeah, I made about 120 grand within um, for the rest of that year. What was your average profit per deal like? 
Um, I don't know the numbers. Like I, I know the first one was, was um, five thousand, then the second was ten. But they range, man. I, I, I was, I know, I did have um, a deal for my first virtual deal, which was in Alexandria, Virginia. That was a thirty thousand dollar deal. Yeah. So, so yeah. Let, let's talk about that. So, how did you end up doing virtual wholesaling? <clears throat> you started off. Okay. So, so my thing is, if you notice, like I said, with that second deal. You know, being that I, I drove for a courier company, I don't mind getting on the road. And so what I realized, the more I marketed, I'm in the Raleigh area. Um, you know, I did that that year alone, I probably did about five or six deals in Durham, which is, you know, right right beside Raleigh. Um, Raleigh itself, I think I may have done like one, one deal in Raleigh. And so I'm saying like, okay, I need more deals, I need more deals. And so being that my wife, she was... Um, from Alexandria, Virginia, you know, we would go up there and visit all the time. And then I would hear about the DC, Maryland, Virginia market, DMV. And so when I would go up there, I would just go and drive for dollars and I would do research and stuff. And I was like, wow, this is a hot market. So what I did was I got a list and I just started advertising and marketing to Alexandria. Alexandria is a super, super hot area too, from Northern Virginia, which is outside of DC. Um, and this particular seller, the one I got a $30,000 deal on, he stayed in Baltimore, Baltimore County, and this is another inherited property. And, you know, he was kind of one of those types where he didn't like to talk on the phone. So it took me like several weeks just to get him on the phone. When I got him on the phone, I had to, of course, get him to agree to drive from Baltimore to Alexandria to meet at the property. And, you know, he was like an hour and a half late. So mind you, the guy didn't answer his phone, but he's an hour and a half late. I drive up to Alexandria from, from North Carolina, which is like a four-hour drive from where I live. And so I'm like sweating because I'm like, I know this guy's not going to no-show me. You know, being in sales, you have what you call no-show when that means the person don't show up. But I stayed there and waited. Man, I was going to wait there all day long. I tried to call him like 10 times. Obviously, his phone was turned off. And he finally came. And when he came, man, we had like the best conversation. It was like a three-hour meeting. Um, which normally, you know, I, I tell people you don't want to meet that long, but I, I had to get that deal done. He didn't, he signed on the spot too. He did sign on the spot. And then of course the, the next challenge was to get him to closing, which we had to drive back towards the, um, the Virginia area to get the closing done. But then I think I had this property sold. It was like 14 days mm. and yeah, made $30,000. So. Mind you now, and I, I, I want to say thousand dollars an hour, man. I, I would take that. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, this is probably maybe in my fourth month. August. Yeah, probably around August, September, um, was when that deal hit. And I'm just telling you, man, it, it just, it just snowballed, mm-hmm. it just snowballed. And so, to answer your question about virtual wholesaling, you know, I, I just started looking outside my area because one thing I realized is. You know, I go where the deals are. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't try to force anything. In sales, you know, you, you try to like, if you get a list, you got to work that list. You got to got to basically work what, what's in front of you. Whereas when I got started in virtual wholesaling, like I immediately started doing virtual wholesaling, which just means you're doing deals outside your area, virtual wholesaling. You know, I realized, okay, if, if the D.C. area, the uh, PG County in Maryland, if that's a hot area, that's, a, that's where I want to be. And so it would be nothing for me to travel um, to those areas four or five times a month, 
you know, maybe going to get at properties, going meeting with people. Now, mind you, now fast forward six years later, you know, I do everything um, like through my phone and stuff or like through the laptop as far as getting contracts and stuff signed, having people meet with sellers if you need to, to get, get the contract signed or get pictures. But I'm talking about back then, man, I was hungry. You know, I, I had to get it, man. So I had to do whatever it took to get stuff done. Excellent, man. So, so you, so right now you mentioned you're in 10 plus markets. Um, obviously you're not driving around at 10 plus markets anymore. So how are you going about doing your virtual business? How do you find these markets? First? Okay. So normally my number one source of lead generation is cold calling. You know, I have um, two full-time VAs, virtual assistants. They're both in the Philippines. And I actually interviewed one of them on my YouTube channel um, last last week. And so you get a chance to meet her. Her name is Angela, speaks perfect English. And I say that because, you know, sometimes, you know, people get a little leery that you know, they may have an accent or whatever, but she, she speaks very, very well. And, um, you know, we use a dollar and we upload the list. And then from there, she just, all she does is, is call people, um, cold call them. And see who's interested in, in selling now. And the way I'm structured, like before, they would just hand the lead off to me. I would evaluate it. I'll follow up with the seller, get it closed. But now I've even trained them on, I still, they still send me the lead. I still evaluate it. But then I would tell them what to say, or I'll be like, you know, follow back up with this person to offer them this amount here. And so now I even have people in the Philippines, in the third world country now, negotiating deals and you know I, I normally my, my normal assignment fee is somewhere between ten and twelve thousand. Um and so yeah they I hardly ever talk to sellers now. Yeah man I'm set up the same way so I, I could definitely understand exactly what you're talking about. So you you're in 13 different markets. You find these markets uh that are doing pretty well, pretty populated areas I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And then you go out and, and you get started in virtual wholesaling. So what's some of the biggest misconceptions that people have when it comes to virtual wholesaling? Um, one of the misconceptions is, I, I guess pros and cons. Right, let, me, let me say that. All right, so obviously a huge, huge con is getting people you can trust. Um, because the thing about it is, like, even with this, this deal, I... I I talked about like even like, if it's a if it's a super super hot deal, let's say if it's a deal I'm working in in DC, you know, Northwest DC or somewhere, and it's like a half million dollar property, and I stand to make sixty seven eighty thousand hundred thousand dollars, I'm gonna work that deal. You know, I, I have my VAs working as much as possible, but when it comes to like doing a lot of legwork or whatever, or like even getting pictures and stuff. If I'm available, I'm gonna probably take control of that picture, that that deal because I just can't leave it a chance. Because what'll happen is, and I, you know, if you do this business enough times, people will burn you. Mm-hmm. You know, you will have people go and they'll either mess your deal up by talking too much, or they'll try to go around you and and, and try to, you know, sabotage your deal intentionally. And and if you let that happen to you one or two times, you know, you'll be a lot more selective on who you get to do stuff for you. So that's a huge con is getting somebody that you can trust. You know, now a pro to that though is you can get, you know, you can go to free websites like uh, like Craigslist 
or even on Facebook, like some of the groups and stuff, and say, hey, you know, who lives in this area? You can give a zip code and you can offer to pay somebody to go get pictures for you. Um, a lot of times if I need to get a contract signed, I will send them a e um, a, a contract via email or I FedEx it to them or we will have a mobile notary, a local mobile notary go meet with the person. So that's another part, another component to having a virtual wholesaling deal as far as having people to go do a lot of legwork. So that's a huge pro, pro as far as like having people that's in that local market do things for you. Um, something else too is, you know, just, just trusting people. That's gonna be the biggest thing that I would say that's gonna be your biggest obstacle when it comes to being in multiple areas. Because you know I'm a straight shooter. I'm, I'm somebody that's gonna be straight up with you. I'm gonna just be let them know what it is. Let them know what the expectation is. But a lot of times people are not gonna gonna tell you the truth and not gonna be straight up. And so when you realize that you have to sift through a whole lot of you know crap sometimes to 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 find the legit people. Um, and so that's just another challenge is finding somebody that's gonna actually do the work. Um, but all in all. Um, and then too, like a lot of these areas that I do deals in, I may have a, a, a student that I've dealt with before in the past that I, I built a relationship. So sometimes they can do some of the work if they're available. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's something that works for me though, as far as just building relationships, you know, that's something that you have to make sure that you have in place when it comes to virtual wholesaling because it's about trust. You you got people doing a lot of work for you and you got to be able to trust them. That's right, man. So, you know, when we're thinking about virtual wholesaling, you know, obviously you started off as a local investor. Most people look at the virtual wholesaling world. Okay. Um, and, and they say, you know, it's, it may be kind of difficult for them to grasp how it actually works. Um, or they may say it's, it's way too much for me to handle. Um, how did you make that mental shift from going local to virtual? Um, knowing that I couldn't be everywhere at the same time, for one, and then I was doing a lot of volume, a lot mm -hmm. of deals and stuff. So, you know, like, um, I, I just knew I needed help. And so what I started doing was, as I stated before, like I would reach out to local investors, and you know, kind of see who's available to help. Um, for the most part, most people were very, very helpful and, and willing. And of course you pay people, you compensate people for their right. time now. So I'm not asking for any handouts. And then too, like if somebody uh, like had a buyer or something, I would give them a percentage of the deal um, if they bought a, a cash buyer to the deal that closed on it. And so that mental thing though was, you know, just me knowing that like I need help. And knowing that, you know, there's people out here that's willing to help you. So you just got to put yourself out there and say, hey, you know, who's available to do this or who can, who can do this or um, who's familiar with this area? That's another thing, too, because, you know, being in 10 different markets, I, I don't, I mean, I got a firm grasp on them now, but I didn't know, like, what the hot pockets were, the hot spots were um, a lot of times. And so I have to lean to local investors or local realtors. Um, to see about getting help, getting comps and stuff on particular properties. But yeah, it's just kind of putting out that, that information and data together and packaging, packaging it to where, you know, you can, um, 
like confidently know that you are giving the seller a fair price and you're marking the property up at a fair price and you know the of course the buyer is getting a, a fair price as well i say it was a win it's a win-win-win situation yeah that's right man that's right you know and that's that's basically what real estate is all about right just creating win-win situations for everybody right yep. so what 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 do you feel are some things that newbies should be mindful of when they start stepping into virtual wholesaling okay so obviously i know and this sounds a little cliche-ish but you don't know what you don't know so first and foremost thing before you do anything is you have to get like some type of coaching some type of training you got to because a lot of times people will over simplify this business you make it super super simple oh all you need to do is this or just there's a lot of moving parts to this business, even though it doesn't require a lot of money out of pocket to get deals done. Sometimes you can get deals done with no money. Um, the flip side is it does cost money, you know, the travel, market, and all that stuff. And so the, the first thing is get some training. Get some training from someone that's actually doing the business. Um, or you can, of course, go to YouTube and, and there's plenty of videos out there of people teaching virtual wholesaling. But just know that the best stuff is going to come from that one-on-one -on -one interaction or that group setting when you're talking to um, the investor directly you have a connection with that, con that investor directly versus just looking at a video that they produce on youtube or facebook live you know and so that's the first and foremost thing i would say is get some type of training get education learn what you need to do because you don't know what you don't know and a lot of times what, what hurts a lot of investors is, um, newbies that is, is they, they feel like if I uh, uh, fail forward fast, something mm -hmm. like that, where if I just, if I just, if I just go out here and, and do something, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm eventually get a deal. But what you fail to realize with that mindset is you're missing several opportunities on the way to that deal. You know, if it's going to take you, say, 50 people, you, you have no training, and it takes you 50 people to get that first deal. Now, obviously, nobody's gonna go 100%. You know, you and I, we, we still have percentages as far as our closing ratios. But obviously, our closing ratios are a lot higher than a newbie. That comes with experience, though. Correct. Experience, knowledge, um, just knowing how to navigate and how to deal with certain situations. But that's why it's important to get that experience and that knowledge from a mentor, from a coach. So that would be my first and foremost thing is, before you decide to go out and do anything, get some type of training. Because think about it this way. If you go and start any kind of job, you got training, you know, you got to shadow somebody. So if you're going to go and be like a waiter or a waitress, you know how you'd be sitting at the restaurant and you have two people come to your table and all the time they say this person is training? That's because they, they're getting trained. They don't, they, you're not going to come off the street and just right. be a great waiter and waitress. That's just, you know, like from, from that standpoint. So when you're dealing with, you know, people's livelihoods and, and properties, and sometimes people are going through distressful situations, you need to know how to handle that situation. You need to know how to instruct them, educate them, lead them and, and stuff. And so you definitely got to get some kind of training. Absolutely. That'd be my first and foremost thing for anything else, because anything beyond that, you know, I can tell you about, you know, where, where to go and get lists, and I can tell you about you know how to find certain markets and stuff but if you don't know what you're doing you know you're kind of working backwards i agree man i i 100 agree with that actually you know I, I believe that you know yeah you should go out there 
and educate yourself and uh, hire somebody who's going to be able to look at your business from a bird's eye view mm -hmm. to be able to tell you what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, and then eventually get yourself into some masterminds as well. Correct. You know? So, so what, what do you feel, you know, just kind of taking a step back, you know, a lot of people are looking into real estate. Some of them are on the younger side. Maybe they don't have a lot of money to get started. Mm -hmm. um, they don't have a lot of financial resources or capital or credit, things like that. Um, how hard is it for someone in that type of scenario to get started in the business? Well, it's, it's going to be hard as you make it because, you know, my motto is find a way. You know, whatever is going on in your life that you're struggling with, find a way. Find a way to get out of that situation. Find a way. If you want to go and get a deal done, find a way to get a deal done. So what I recommend is we all know people. We all have, you know, cell phones. We have people, believe it or not, people in your contacts right now that's going through a situation. So reach out to them. And all you're doing is say, hey, you know, who do you know that has, you know, a situation going on? Or I heard about such and such. You know, I just want to ask you about, you know, this property or whatever. And just start up a conversation. So as a newbie, if you have no money, no kind of marketing money or whatever, what you need to start doing is start talking. You need to start talking to people through social media. You can start talking through people in your network currently, you know, people that um, make can direct you to, hey, go talk to this person here. Or this person um, had a property that was that they inherited that's just sitting, boarded up or whatever. And then what you're going to do is um, you don't even have to go and negotiate the property or go, go negotiate. Just find out if the person's interested in selling. And so then link up with somebody that's doing the business and say, hey, look, I got this property over here. Now, this is what I would do. This is two courses here. You could just pass the property off and say, hey, look, you know, here's a property over here. Here's a lead, per se. And you could be like what you call a bird dog. Yeah. And a bird dog just means you basically just providing leads to an investor and they're going to give you $500,000 once it closes. If you have no money, if you're just getting started, that's a great way to get started. But what I would do if I had no money and I was just getting started is I would try to be an equity partner on this deal. You don't have to be a 50-50 equity partner, but I would try to bring the deal to you and say, look, um, I have this property here. I don't even know if it's a good deal, but you know, I'm willing to, or, give you 70% of the deal, 70% of the profits, something like that, 60%, if you can show me how to close it. And you know, the person may or may not negotiate, now, they may want more, may not want more, but for the most part, if somebody brings me a deal and I know it's a deal, I'd be willing to help them out because they help me out in the process. You know, you're bringing me a free lead, you're bringing me 60 or 70% of whatever amount is gonna be at the end, so who wouldn't do that deal? That's what you call providing value, bringing value. What hurts a lot of newbies is you hit up somebody and be like, hey, can I pick your brain? Hey, how do you do this? You're bringing zero value to that person. And so now that person is looking at you like a nuisance or like somebody that's trying to freeload, per se. I mean, I, I mean it's just how it is. And so if you bring yourself into the table, now you, you get somebody's attention. The person can take you a lot more serious because they're like, wait a minute, this this is not just a deal. This is a great deal. Mm -hmm. I've even had people bring me deals where like I normally don't do deals outside of the students I coach. 
But I mean, people bring deals, and it's like thirty, forty thousand dollars profit. I mean, why would I not help that person out? That's right. Yeah. So that's right. That's what I recommend is start talking, start you know putting yourself out there, start seeing who has an issue, who has a need, and just just try to see how you can be of value to somebody that can help you get that deal closed. Now, word of caution: be careful because what you don't want to do is. If you're bringing that deal to an individual, especially if you don't really know them personally, you don't want to just give them all the information, his name, address, email, and all that. Because some people, believe it or not, they're not straight up. You know, they're scammers. And so what they'll do is probably try to take your deal and cut you out of the deal. So just make sure you protect yourself if you're in that situation. But I think that's the best way to do it is go hunting, go searching for something that may look like a deal. And if it's not a deal, the investor will let you know too. Or they may even say, well, look, the numbers are kind of tight here. You know, it's, you know, there's no equity or whatever, which we know, you know as well as I know, there's ways to do deals that's little to no equity yep. as well. But- um, Those are some main, of my favorite deals, man. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the main thing is just get busy. Get busy, put some work in, put some time in, and start building value. Moral of the story is to take action. Say again, yep, yep, take action. But remember, be careful with that because you still kind of have to have some kind of idea of, like, here's the thing. What I just said about going identifying situations and all this stuff, I think it's perfectly fine. But if you don't really like know how to negotiate and know how to write a contract up and know how to structure a deal, if somebody's going through pre-foreclosure and you've never done a deal, you might need to get some help. You know what I'm saying? Because now this person is, is is trusting you to help them out to save their property. You'll do more damage than good by locking this property up and try to flip it to a cash buyer and you've never done a deal before. Now you realize you're in the property too high. You know, it might need to be, be a short sale and all this and all that. Now you wasted two months or 30 days and the person ends up losing the property and nobody wins in a situation like that. So that's why I said that goes back to making sure you get some help, get some training to help you out with those type of deals. For sure, for sure, man. So let's, let's provide our listeners with a three to five step process on what they need to do to go from where they are right now to getting their first deal done. Okay, so the first and foremost thing is mindset. Of course, you gotta talk about mindset. You got to commit. this. This is a business. This is a business, people. So, you know, if you treat it like a hobby, you're going to get hobby results. All right. So, get your mind right. Make sure this is what you really want to do, first and foremost. Um, I will say, start educating yourself. Second thing is start educating yourself about the industry. You know, you can go to YouTube, you can follow people on Instagram, follow people on Facebook, and start kind of like familiarizing yourself with who's doing what. Now, another word of caution everything that glitters is not gold. You're going to have people that's going to make it seem like this is the easiest thing ever. It's not. Okay, so just be careful. Be careful who you follow, who you get information from. That's number two thing. Um, the third thing, all right, so mindset first. Get your mind right. Second thing is start doing research. Start finding out about the industry. If this is something you even really want to do. Wholesaling is not for everybody. Once you decide this is what you want to do, get some training. You know, connect with somebody invest in, in training or whatever. Sometimes people say, hey, would you train me for free and I split my first such and such deal with you 50-50. Some people may take you up on that. Um, most people won't, but they're still, I mean, you, you won't know until you ask. 
but get some type of training. All right. Now, in addition to getting the training, you know, one thing that I hear about that kind of trips me out of these groups is they they guru bash. Guru. Mm -hmm. yeah. This guru ain't this, the guru ain't that. You know, oh, this guru take off. But what if but but what people never address is sometimes the students are not that great either. Like they don't listen, you know. And so make sure you are a good student. Make sure you follow that person's lead. Um, you show up, you go the extra mile, you help make their lives easier. Even though they're training and coaching you, you know, you want to help make it easier working with you. You know, Let's stop there for a second, Ray. <laughs> I want to talk about this for a minute because, man, I got to – that's one of my pet peeves when people go out – and I don't consider myself to be a guru. You probably don't either because we're active investors. But what one of my pet peeves is, is when people go out there and they talk about these educators, mm -hmm. um, but they're not actually doing what they need to do to make their business better either. So they, they point the fingers basically rather than pointing it back at themselves and seeing where the real problem is coming in. And in addition to that, um, they guru bash, but without the information that the guru the quote-unquote guru is putting out there, how would anybody succeed? That's my that's my stance from day one. Like, <laughs> a lot of people can say carton sheets was, was some, you know, a lot of people came from under carton sheets. Or um, Ron LeGrand down in Jacksonville, Florida, a lot of people come came from under him. And, you know, Robert Kiyosaki, of course, people rich that for that, they, they read his stuff. So, believe it or not, like, a lot of this information that, that, that you're exposed to, it came from somebody that set the foundation. It That's came right. from a, a guru, you know, a lot of this information. And so just because, you know, you're having a success or you may have not had direct contact with that individual doesn't mean that they're um, like Dan Kennedy. You know, everybody knows who Dan Kennedy is when it comes to marketing. Like a lot of people have come from under him, you mm -hmm. know, and, and so that being the case, it, it would be crazy to, to bash him you know, regardless of what you think about him personally, I mean, I don't know him personally, but, you know, the, the guy has, he's changed the industry. And same thing with a lot of, a lot of gurus that, that has come before us, you know, in the real estate industry, um, you got to show some kind of appreciation. You may not like that person individually. You may not like how someone may flaunt and be too flashy or something for you. That's fine. But, you know, take the information. Are they providing value? Are, are they giving you good, solid foundation? foundational information if so take that take what's for you and what's not for you put it to the side but you know some people got more time on their hands than anything else they're gonna yep. they're gonna find something wrong how they said everything haters gonna hate man <laughs> yeah, all the time all the time man. and it's, it's like i i never ever get in, involved in yeah. those type of debates even if the person has a valid point mm -hmm. even if the guru quote unquote didn't honor their world honor their word or you know, they said something that that's a little controversial. Hey, I I don't I don't partake in those type of debates because I'm I'm yeah. out here trying trying to get the bag. You know, yeah. I'm out here trying to. That's know, the sure point, I'm man. If you focus on making money and stop worrying about what everybody else is talking about and guru bashing yeah. and stuff like that, then you'll yeah. you'll be making more money. Sure, for sure. Everybody can talk. You know, my opinion is you can talk about a. And again, I'm not defending gurus. I'm not defending anybody. But I do know I work with students as well. And a lot of the time, students don't go out there and take action, you know. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, if you focus on making 
money, then you don't care about anything else that's going on. You know, um, and if you apply what information you do receive from somebody who's an educator, then chances are you're going to be making money. Sure. But if, if you don't do anything, then you're not going to make money. But that doesn't give anyone a right to point their finger back at somebody else. That's, that's the point I wanted to make. Not to spend too much time on this subject here, but uh, I'm glad you did uh, uh, bring it up. So we got. Say again. So we got the first couple of steps out of yeah, the way. So first three steps. Mindset, get your mind right. Start doing your research, you know, to find out if this is something you really want to do. Once you find out this is something you really want to do, start getting some training, some type, some type of education. I'm not saying you have to go out here and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and all this stuff. No, but you have to be willing to invest. Remember now, this is going to be a career for you. This is something that you're going to do that's going to provide for your family, hopefully take you to retirement and, and beyond. And so be willing to invest, be willing to invest in yourself. Remember, you're, you're the number one investment is, mm-hmm. is, in education. You have to, this has, this has to be a priority, all right? So mindset, find out, research, find out just what you want to do, um, get some training. The next thing is 110, 200, 1,000%. Like once you get training, See, this is another thing too, because um, when from a from a, a instructor, from a coach, a mentor standpoint, you know, our job is is to provide you with the information, give you the content, give you the information. What we cannot do is we can't give you the motivation, we can't give you the inspiration, we can't give you the drive, we can't give you any of that. That has to come from within. So once you find out what you need to do, now you have to go. Full force and go and, and do it. Just just go. Take this is when you can fail for fast because now you have an idea what it is you're supposed to be doing. And on top of that, you got somebody in your corner that's going to help guide you alone. You know, um, as an educator, as an instructor, as a coach, what I do is I, I once I provide information and like I, if I give an assignment, a weekly assignment, I kind of sit back and just listen, sit back and watch. Because I know if you out here applying this, you're going to have questions. But if I'm not hearing from you from week to week or like only time I hear from you is, you know, when we have class or training or something, I only got one. I'm just under the assumption that you're not really doing what you need to do because you're going to have questions. If you mm-hmm. out here and you're doing the job, doing the work and stuff, things are going to come up. Even if it's a thing to where like, you just may want some feedback. You know, hey, I had this call. This is how the conversation went. You know, what do you think? And a lot of times a mentor can kind of can be like, you know, great job, or did you ask them this? And I kind of give you some some ideas for the next time. Or, you know, they may be like, well, look, call them back and ask them this. And then a lot of times the student will be like, oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, of course, because you know, like you you don't have the experience, you don't have the knowledge yet. And so the fourth thing would be to apply, you know, take that massive action take super, super massive action. And then I would say the fifth thing is, um, you know, rinse and repeat. So I know you, I know I didn't give you like specifics as far as, you know, go get this list here. This go is good this. though, because but I'm telling you like, if you don't get this foundational stuff on the front end, none of the other stuff matters. It doesn't because it's like, if you do this long enough, you're going to eventually do a deal, get a deal done. But can you repeat it? Can you build a business from it? 
can you sustain your family with it? That's what we're talking about. So in, in doing that, you have to build that foundation on the front end. And then everything else is going to take care of itself. Love it, man. Great, great five-step process. I love the fact that you didn't necessarily go into the detail of the dirty work, but you got into the mind with these steps and you really prepared that foundational part of what it's really going to take to get to from where they are right now to where they want to go in this business. Cause that's where it all starts. It starts with the foundation. If you don't have a strong foundation, then when you try to build that building up and it's, and you have a weak foundation it's going to crumble, you're going to fall right back down to the ground. So I love that man. Rinse and repeat will be the final one. Yeah. I mean, just, just to piggyback off of that, like one of my VAs, Angela, the one I told you I interviewed, um, when she started working with me, like this is a it was a first time ever cold calling. Super, super shy, nervous, whatever. And so I took time to train her, to teach her, to to where now the state of Florida, she's negotiating half a million dollar deals. You know, when I say half a million dollar deals, I'm talking about the property now. That's what the property is worth. You know, not the profit, you know, because sometimes people get hung up on that. Oh, you make a half million deal. That's not what I said. Um, but you know, it, it comes from you know, her having that desire to be the best that she can be. You know, and 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 I'm telling you, man, like when you have that type of mindset and mentality, look out. Mm-hmm. Look out, get out your way because it's no stopping you. And you're gonna get bumps and bruises along the way. Things are gonna happen. You're gonna have disappointments. Um one thing, you know, like in the last 60 days, I shared this on the video today too. In the last 60 days, last two months since the pandemic, I've had like seven, seven deals fall through the last two months, last 60 days. And, you know, it, it could be something as simple as um, the seller stopped communicating. You know, like that happens. And some people be like, oh, you just assume you're doing it. Well, how are you going to assume if the courts, courthouses are closed? And then on top of that, you know, we all going through a pandemic and, you know, are you really trying to go and force somebody to do this, do that? Like things happen, but that's like one of the situations you end up encountering. Now, I'm still trying to, you know, keep things going. We're still trying to maintain and, and find out what's really going on. But that, along with title issues, along with buyers that may, you know, get private money, hard money, and, and you know, they can't get the money now. We're talking about seven deals. And you know, I already told you what I normally average in per deal. So that's a lot of money, a lot, a lot of lost revenue there. But you keep going. Like it happens. It happens. I'm six years into it, and it still happens. You know, that's some right. what trips me out. Some people be like, you know, if the deal doesn't close, if this doesn't happen, there's something you didn't do. Setting no. yourself up for failure from the beginning. For sure. For sure. Things, now, things you, don't happen you say, beyond your control all the time. If you say something like, hey, I'm going to try this, and if I don't close a deal by this date, then I'm giving up. You're setting yourself up from, for failure mentally without, before you even get started, without even knowing it. Sure. Yeah, I, I hear that all the time, too. You know, when you talk with students and you, you know, maybe like kind of go through and kind of find out, you know, if a person is, is interested or really going to be committed, when people start talking that way, it's a red flag. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try to. You know, who, who was it? Yoda said that there's no tries to do, there's no tries to do or something like that. I think Yoda. The tries Yoda to fail? No, I think it's like there is no try. It's to do, do or something like that. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like yeah. that. But anyway, um, yeah, man, if you're going to do it, do it. That's why I said, you know, find out this is what you really want to do. And then once you really confirm this is something you want to do, get training and then go all out and get it done. That's right. Love it, man. Love it. So if our listeners wanted to get in contact with you, uh, where should they go, Ray? Okay, so I'm on social media. My name is Ray Mabry. That's R-A-Y-M-A-B-R-Y. You can find me on, on Facebook under that name. Also on Instagram, same thing. Um, I'm starting my YouTube channel back up. I got a little over 500 subscribers, so you can find me on YouTube as well, Ray Mabry. And what I'm doing, just like I'm at, I've added a couple of new videos in the last few days, is I'm just trying to um, provide content information to people about the business. I mean, this is a great business. This is a business that can more than sustain you and your family. Um, but, you know, I put a lot of emphasis on education. You know, I've got a teaching background. When I went to um, college, I, I, you know, I taught high, um, middle school a couple of years, which that's another conversation for another day. Uh, that, that was not my call. That's supposed to be that way. Um, so by nature, I'm a teacher and, and I, I thrive to teach people on how to do this business because there's no competition. You know, I, I mean, we could be in the same city marketing the same list and, you know, we can still, we can always, there's more than enough for all of us. See what I'm saying? And so don't have a scarcity mindset. Um, but yeah, Ray Mabry, R-A-Y-M-A-B-R-Y, find me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Now be sure to link all that stuff in the uh, description as well, man. I appreciate it, man. Now I know uh, you continue your education as well. Are you reading any books right now? Um, no, actually I'm not, man. What I am doing though, I'm not reading any books particular on real estate. Mm-hmm. What I've been doing for the last year, actually that last May, yeah, so a little over a year now, is um, and I'm not in no, no MLM, no, no network marketing, multi-level marketing thing, but I've been like getting, getting hip to this Forex thing, you know, foreign exchange, and I've been trading and stuff. And so when I tell you that I spend a minimum of two hours a day, maybe like sometimes as much as like five hours, not every day, five hours, but a minimum of two hours a day studying. I'm even trading. I mean, I, I got some trades, you know, made a few hundred bucks a day and trading and stuff. Um, because this is this is another stream of income for me, and so that's kind of really what my my main focus has been on is trying to become a better trader. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something I do every day. Including maybe we'll Saturdays have another. Maybe we'll talk about that on another podcast. Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, uh, one book that I'm reading right now is "Own the Day, Own Your Life." You know, it's just okay. one of the uh, books that I'm actually going. I just started it today, in fact. And, Who's uh, the author? I've never heard it before. It's uh. The Aubrey Marcus, Aubrey Marcus. I'm gonna link that in the description box as well. Okay. Own, own the day, own your life, own your and life. it's uh, it's about basically owning different aspects of your life and being the best for that day. Uh, you know, when you succeed at certain things or you're pushing for certain things, most people think about the bigger picture so they don't think about the steps that it takes to get to the bigger picture so uh this book is about taking it one step at a time basically own the day rather than thinking about five years from now think about today let's make today right and then tomorrow we'll focus on tomorrow and so on and so forth and then those days will accumulate into the lifestyle that you want to live 
within that time period. Maybe you'll do it sooner as well. That's what that yeah. book is about. Great. Check that out. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's proven to be a good book so far, man. Uh, it's about working out. It's about business. It's about uh, learning, about eating right, about training, about playing, about sleeping, um, about relationships, about everything, man. I think it's, uh, it's turning out to be a good book so far. Uh, very high ratings as well, but I'm definitely going to link that in the description box. But hey, man, we appreciate you jumping on the line today, man. Drop a lot of gems, a lot of jewels for our listeners. And um, you guys can check Ray out on uh, all the social media platforms. I'm going to link them in the description box uh, below this video. Or if uh, you're listening on the podcast, on, on one of the podcast platforms, you can uh, check it out on my YouTube page by going to the video with Ray Mabry on it. And all the information will be in the uh, description box. But any last words for our listeners, Ray? Um, well, the main thing is, as I stated before, and I just can't emphasize this enough, you know, this business is great. This, this business can, can provide for you, but, um, it does have its challenges. And if it's something that you really, really want to do, just take the proper steps to set yourself up for success. That's right, man. Appreciate you jumping on the line with us today, brother. I know we could talk about real estate all day long. Oh, yeah. Um, we could create a home study course talking about this stuff, but uh, <laughs> there's only but so much we could cover on the podcast, right? So uh, check out Ray Mabry across all social media platforms. We're going to do some more stuff in the future with him as well. If you guys like this episode, like it, subscribe, share, uh, do all the necessary things to get the word out about this particular podcast. And also, uh, make sure that you tell all your friends about it. Um, and if you like it, leave a comment on this uh, podcast. Let me know if you, want to, if you want me to bring Ray back to talk about some Forex stuff or even a different aspect of the uh, real estate business. Just let me know in the comment section. But I appreciate you guys very much, and I'll talk to you guys on the next one. Take care. Check out my website at reieducationacademy.com. To make it easy, you can just simply go to jamelgibbs.com or check out my YouTube page at youtube.com forward slash jamelgibbs. I'm all over the web, whether it be on Facebook slash the Jamel Gibbs or on Instagram at Jamel Gibbs. I'm on LinkedIn as well. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Snapchat. Check out all of these platforms for daily content, weekly content, more content from Jamel Gibbs. But if you want to get more in depth, go to reieducationacademy.com. And that's how you can find out more about my training material and how you can get started investing in real estate today. Talk to you later.